Hi, humans. I'm Harley Selbaka. And I'm Anthony Morrow, and you're listening to Boom Direct, a show where we discuss our biggest hits, the insides of the comic book industry, first look announcements, and exclusive interviews with your favorite comic book creators. Welcome to season two. We're here. We did it. We made it. <laughs> season two, episode one. Um, and listen, we're like really starting off with like a bang this episode, I gotta say. Yeah. Just getting, you know, everyone's favorite Power Ranger to come talk to us. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Amy Jo Johnson, uh, who was Kimberly Hart, the original Pink Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, is writing a Power Rangers comic with us called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers The Return. Um, by the time this goes out, the Boom Direct Reserve campaign will have been closed. Thank you for everybody who supported it. And if you didn't, don't worry, because single issues are going to be coming out here real soon. Yep, and we're really, really excited. It's it's a really fun story. But before we dive into, obviously, the details of that, let's talk updates. Um, so uh, for new announcements, I Heart Skull Crusher. It's a brand new YA post-apocalyptic sports action series by My Adventures with Superman writer-producer Josie Campbell and rising star artist Alyssa Zono. Um, it's very like Mad Max meets Blue Lock. It's this underdog story about 18-year-old fangirl Trini uh, putting a team of misfits together to complete... Oh, sorry, to compete, excuse me. <laughs> I can't talk. Uh, in regional Screaming Pain Ball Championships, which, wow, I remember reading that being like, oh, it's called Screaming Pain Ball? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, uh, sounds good. like... Post-apocalyptic blood sport. <laughs> Sounds like something that teenagers in the apocalypse would for sure participate in. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, so uh, they're going to compete in the regional Screaming Pain Ball Championships for a chance to win a spot on her idol, Skull Crusher's team. And let me tell you, the art is so good for this. This is like a very fun yet cute story, despite like kind of the darker elements to it. I really love it. Yeah, and I believe it's coming out through our um, Boombox imprint. Yes, it uh, is. Which is our uh, YA. Uh, YA middle imprint. grade. Yeah. yeah. That's what has like Lumberjanes in it and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we also have Man's Best by critically acclaimed writer Porn Sack Pachetchote and Jesse Lonergan, uh, who is doing the art for this series. Uh, this is a sci fi action adventure filled with a lot of heart, uh, a la Homeward Bound in Space. When a starship crash lands on an alien world and the human crew are taken hostage, it is up to three intelligent and cybernetically enhanced house pets to strike up on their own to save them. You have a golden retriever with a robotic leg, a fluffy white, what I think is a Persian cat, and a mech suit, <laughs> and a Frenchie in a jetpack. So, you know, what's not to love? And we're um, a Frenchie company. Yeah, we, we are. So many people here have Frenchies. Quite a few of us do. Um, porn sack, you know, uh, he wrote, uh, the good Asian, uh, which is being adapted, I think on Netflix. Um, yeah. he wrote one of my favorite horror series of all time called infidel, um, prior to writing and being a creator in his own right. He, uh, worked on the editorial side of things with vertigo and he's just kind of like an industry mainstay who's beloved and has been beloved behind the scenes for a while and has really kind of made it made his own name um, as a writer now in the industry as well. And a delightful um, human. Him and Jesse yeah. just together is such a great combo too. They they really are. So if you're a fan of Porn Sack's horror stuff, this is absolutely not a horror book. This is, it's no, sci-fi, no, no. it's fun, it's filled with a lot of love and a lot of laughs and a lot of adventure. Um, but it's, it's just as 
it speaks to the same level of depth of like, you know, what it means to be human, what it means to have friends, what it means to grow up, like in the same kind of way, all of his other work, like reads really deep. Uh, Man's best reads just as deep. But with animals. Uh, I was going to say, despite the uh, <laughs> the the artistic twist to it. Yeah, both animals. I love it. We are wrapping up our Dune House trilogy prequel stories with Dune House Carino. I'm myself, I'm a huge Dune fan. So far, we've done Dune House Atreides, Dune House Harkonnen. Um, so House Carino follows the Imperial family as the final dominoes are set up across the known universe before they all fall down in Dune. Um I love Dune because Dune for me is also, it's like science fiction, but it's also very Shakespearean. Um, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are back adapting their prose novel for comics, along with the new series artist, Simone Regazzoni, um, whose art is just stunning. Just stunning. The the use of, of shadows is just, it's very Dune. I love it. Yeah, I think it's worth calling out too. Um, every other, uh, or every other, the other two house uh, <laughs> stories were twelve issue series. This is an eight issue yeah. series. It's the same amount of content though. Every issue is thirty three pages instead of the standard yeah. twenty two. So it's, exact it's same amount issues. of like page count um, as the twelve issue series. We're just making the issues thicker and cutting it down to eight. Um, and so. we love we love a juicy fat issue, you know, a little more bang for your buck. Yeah. Pay for it. Uh, fun fact about Dune: uh, Frank Herbert was inspired by uh, the Oregon coast uh, and the sand dunes at the beaches of the Oregon coast, and that's oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, that's what that's what I Dune didn't know was. that there were a lot of dunes over there. Where I grew up in Monterey, there's a lot of dunes as well. Yeah, so that's just fun fun little fact about Dune. Also, Star Wars originally started as an adaptation of Dune, but that's a story for another time. Dude, also a story for another time is the uh, amazing documentary about Jodorowsky doing Dune. Oh, yeah. With uh, <laughs> Where, uh, Mobius. Sal- or- and Salvador Dali was supposed to be in it. Yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Mobius did all the concept work for it. Yeah. I love Dune. Um, last but not least, uh, we also announced last month uh, a brand new release from a prestigious pen and ink line with Berserker Poetry of Madness Pen and Ink number one. Uh, this is your chance to see Steve Scrosi's beautiful, intricate line work in premium black and white format, along with commentary by him on every page. Um, much like in line with the rest of our pen and ink line, uh, it's just, you know, for for fans of the series, for fans of art, uh, which is a weird thing to say because we're all fans of art here, but for like fans <laughs> of like the artistry of how things are made. Um, this is absolutely, absolutely for you. Um, same kind of cover treatments as every single other one of our pen and ink line. And we have some seriously stunning covers for the pen and ink stuff. They yeah. like get some really high end looking art on the covers. And also who doesn't love just like, I don't know, I find it fascinating knowing the creative process that artists have when they do their art, especially sequential art, which is to me is like a very difficult form of art. Totally. Um, I think too. Uh, talk about the covers again for just a second. We don't do a ton of sketch covers as a company, no. but the ones that we do are for these pen and ink. Uh, yeah, we issues. have black and we have some gorgeous black and white like yeah. sketch designy. Not, not just that, but covers. just like the, the blank white like paper cover oh, yeah. where you can go take it to an artist at a con and and get like you know a original piece of artwork on a cover. Um, so we. 
we don't do a ton of those um, over the course of the year, but we definitely do them for every one of our pen and ink issues. Yeah, we uh, don't do a lot of blank covers. Yeah, I just realized that. Yeah, we don't do a lot of blank covers. Um, but I actually did when I was at LA Comic Con see some really cool artists do uh, some great boom like themed art on some blank covers that we did have. So I saw a House of Slaughter one that was dope. So that's awesome. I love seeing what like new artists who maybe haven't had the chance to do like real covers yet get to do. It's really cool. Yeah. No, that's that's I I love having those. I mean, clearly, if anybody's ever seen my backdrop <laughs> watching these on <laughs> you YouTube. You have a like, blank cover to get I, sketched out. <laughs> yeah, well, I just love comic art in general. And so having having sketch covers is fun to do. Um I've I have a few of them personally. I actually have one from um a Power Rangers issue. We did well before I was hired here. Uh, we did like blank covers for Power Rangers. And Who did the art on it? I'm blanking, but it, it oh. is <laughs> it is a uh, it is a drawing of uh, Kimberly Hart as the Pink Ranger. So that was fun. oh my gosh, yeah. heck yes, yeah. I remember when I ran a shop. We we only stacked up on blank covers right before cons, like if there was local cons. So before San Diego, LA Comic Con, that is when we would stack up on blank covers. Cause actually otherwise for us, like they didn't like, unless you're going to go to a con and you're a con goer, they don't really sell. Maybe that's why we don't do a ton. Yeah, I know. I have some friends who are like uh, in the indie comic scene or like fine artists and stuff. And they, they table at cons and they'll go and buy a bunch of blank covers uh, prior to a con and just like pre sketch on them. And sell them at their tables for like, you know, however much. Yeah. I love that though. They get a little creative. Yeah. Do their own version. But also the covers that we have that are not blanks that have art on them are also, we always do some really cool stuff for the pen and inks. But before we talk about really what we really just want to talk about, which is Amy Jo Johnson, <laughs> um, what have you been reading? What's on your reading list? Well, um, I haven't been reading a ton just because it's the, when we're recording this, this is the end of the year crunch time. So I've really just been both in uh, professional and personal life, just trying to wrap things up before the end of the year. But something I did get to go experience, uh, is Godzilla minus one, which is tangentially Dude. related to the power Rangers because we do do like the Godzilla power Rangers crossovers with the IDW, yeah. uh, which are super fun. So like I'm counting this towards that, um, <laughs> Godzilla minus one. I have seen every single Godzilla movie ever produced. Um, Godzilla minus one is probably, well, not probably. It is my number two favorite out of all of them. It is objectively probably the best Godzilla movie ever made. Um, I want to see it. I still haven't seen it because, um, because I've also seen all the Godzilla. I grew up, my dad loved watching them. So I'd watch all the like old originals, but, um, I I got a concussion not too long ago. And so I'm not supposed to like read on screens very much. And I was like, I cannot sit through an entire movie of subtitles and read. I feel like yeah. I would kill my eyes and my brain. So I have to wait. I have to wait a little bit. It, it, it's it's a bummer because this is definitely a movie worth seeing on the biggest screen possible. I know. Um, I, know. I just like I... I have to listen to my doctor. I don't know. No, that's a smart, responsible thing to do for sure. Yeah, um, I, I, I am that. It. I'm both of those things. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me tell you, I'm both of those things because my best friend was like, we need to see it. I was like, listen, I want to see it. 
I can't yeah, read I, that amazing. I, I saw it once, and uh, as of this recording date, when we're we're sitting here talking um, tonight, I'm taking my partner to go see it as well. Uh, really, just as as an excuse for me to see it again in theaters before Obviously. it leaves theaters. But do you know what um, I did just see though? Which uh, I want to know if you've seen it yet. Um, the new Miyazaki film, The Boy and the Heron. There. No, that's also a this weekend movie. I to saw see. that. Yeah, it was. Of course, gorgeous. Remember when he said he was done making movies? Yeah. Do you remember that? And we were all depressed. I'm so yeah. happy he He's came doing back. another one after Boy and Heron, too. Boy and Heron um, was so good, too. It was not what I was expecting um, in the most wonderful way. It's actually really funny. I was in, my, my partner and I were invited on a double date tonight to go see Boy and the Heron. But I'm like, sorry, I already got Godzilla tickets. Do you want to come see Godzilla? <laughs> and he was like, my buddy was like, no, my, you know, my wife and I are going to go see Boy and Heron. I'm like, well, all right. Sorry. Sorry, you're like, dude. I need to see Godzilla again before yeah. I even see Boy and Heron. <laughs> but I recommend both of those. I love I love both uh, the Godzilla franchise, honestly. And I love anything that me, anything and everything Miyazaki does. I'm going to always go see because just what just what an incredible visual storyteller. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find the um, original Japanese language film showing anywhere near me if it's just the English dub. Because oh. that's not. not- English cast is bad, like it's a phenomenal cast, and I'll obviously watch it in English, but I like watching all the Miyazaki movies in Japanese first. Can I just say, because in LA, there's always showings of both. Yeah. Anywhere that's showing it, usually. Um, But uh, I did see the English dub, because again, subtitles. Yeah. Hi. Can't read subtitles right now. Um, At the end, I looked to see who plays, like, the Heron's voice uh, in it. Robert which Pattinson. Has... Yeah. Dude, can I just say, Whoa. I had no idea just listening to it because I, I picked up Christian Bale's voice really fast as like the dad. But like the Heron is insane. I need to just like no spoilers. That character's crazy and does all these crazy voices all over the place. It sounded absolutely nothing like Robert Pattinson at the end when I saw that it was him. I was with my friend Celeste and we both were like, what? And I was like, oh, my gosh, best perfor- vocal performance of the year should go to Robert Pattinson because he does not sound anything like himself at all it was phenomenal like i had no clue that it was him he was so good yeah he can um he can definitely make a career out of just voice acting if he wanted to honestly And you know what i think at some point he will i honestly think at some point he will i love that he did twilight and then was just like you know what this sucks i just want to play freaks and i'm just gonna play freaks for the rest of my career i just want to play weird people and emo boys like listen i love I love him as Batman. A lot of people were like, why? And I'm like, dude, his entire early career was him just being a professional emo boy on screen, like a sad boy. And like Batman is the ultimate sad boy. Yeah. So of course he's going to be good at being Batman. Hello. <laughs> I mean, and and Matt Reeves talked about it too, where it's just like, it's very much like their inspiration for that Batman, that Bruce Wayne was Kurt Cobain, which I fucking love. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. I feel like I read that somewhere. I'm so happy that um, we're getting a second one with him. And again, friend of the show, Mattson Tomlin, who is also yeah. writing, co-writing that movie. So excited, excited to see where they decide to take him. Cause listen, I obviously have very strong opinions of what, where I think it should go. <laughs> yeah. I, um, <laughs> I'm I'm excited for that one to to come. I think it's I, I can't imagine it's going to come out before 2026. But no, not anymore. Thank yeah. you, Strike. Um, yeah. But anyway, the only thing that I started reading that's new to get back on. We just oh, like yeah. went off about movies. Oh, so that was amazing. I, I love that. Know what we're talking about. 
Who cares? Uh, <laughs> Godzilla minus one. Everybody listening. Uh, I hope you were able to see it in theaters. If not, wait till it gets to streaming and definitely watch it because it's phenomenal. And watch Boy and the Heron. It was amazing. Um, and I suggest doing both the the dubbed and the non-dubbed because Robert Pattinson, flawless performance. Um, so the only book that I actually picked up was that um, I started reading this new book um, called uh, The Innocent by Dean Kuntz. Oh, yeah. So I had somehow never heard of this book and I was at Thanksgiving with my family and uh, my aunt's dad was like, oh, you like to read? And we start talking about books and he's got to be like 80s or 90s. And he was like, I love this book. And he describes it to me and I was like, okay, that actually sounds amazing. Because um, I love the concept that like he, this this child and eventually adult in the story is different, but you don't know how he's different. But however he is physically different makes other human beings immediately want to like attack him. And at the end is apparently when you find out. So I'm like halfway through. I'm finding it fascinating. Like I love this book so much so far. So that's the only thing that I have started reading that's new. And then I'm also reading all the other things I've been reading. Sure. Are you you a big Dean Koontz fan? Um, I'm trying to remember the one other book I read by him. I've only read like one other book by sure. Dean Koontz. Um, so I'd say no, but this is making me a big fan. Sure. Yeah. My my favorite. I don't fact in air quotes because who knows how true this is but the story goes that like um anytime stephen king signs a dean Koontz book it's worth more than dean Koontz's own signature in that same book wow yeah so also rude don't sign someone else's book uh, it's dean Koontz and stephen king i i according rude. to my dad you had to be alive in like the 70s and 80s to really understand that rivalry okay. but you're either a stephen king fan or a dean Koontz fan you weren't a fan of both Oh, well, I'm already a Stephen King fan, so I guess... You know what? I'm happy to break the mold, though. Like, when how people were like, well, you can't be a Star Trek, you can't be a Star Wars fan. I am both. They're actually two different genres, so why could you not be a fan of both? Like, unless you're just not a fan of the other genre. Don't even get me started. I have a whole TED talk about it. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about what we're actually going to be talking about. Which is Power Rangers. Which is Power Rangers. As we mentioned up top, we talked to Amy Jo Johnson and her co-writer and uh, life partner, Matt Hodson, uh, about Power Rangers The Return, which is uh, Amy Jo Johnson's uh, original take on the story. It's set 22 years after the end of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series, and it's it's canonical with the TV show up till a point. Mm-hmm. Um, because in her version, the Rangers defeated Rita Repulsa um, yeah. and something tragic happened. And now 22 years later, the team is getting back together uh, to solve a conspiracy. Which I love that. I'm not going to lie. I love I love this concept so much. Like, I think what we have done a lot in our society lately is really playing into 90s nostalgia. And I have not always been a fan of some of the ways we've done that in the last, I don't know, five years. But I am with this. I love having it be someone who literally lived that show. And she's coming back to be like, okay, here's the story that I came up with about what happened to, you know, my character and the character of all these amazing humans I worked with. And like, just the character designs are amazing. I love the future versions of all of these characters. I think that they've done an amazing job keeping with the characters, updating them. And I just... Ugh. Like it just is very it's very exciting. And I, I love the um, the idea that all of us because it's almost like all of us who are kids 
watching it now are the same age almost or a, li- or a little younger than how old the characters are in the comic at this point mm-hmm. cuz they're supposed to be like 40 right so yeah yeah 40s like mid 40s so like i love that it's like oh cool like they're still like a little older than me but to be clear i'm very far off from being in my mid 40s i just want everybody to know that i'm not remotely <laughs> close to being mid 40s i'm also not close to being in my mid 40s i'm closer than you but that's true <laughs> but i'm not close to being in my mid 40s either but i think it's cool because it's like they're still a little older than us we're like looking up to them but it's cool seeing it where it's like okay i've grown and been through some things now and so have these characters that i grew up with and i think it's just a really cool way to to bring the fan base back um and to kind of touch back on the the heart not pun pun not intended but also the heart of of uh, the Pink Ranger and Amy Jo Johnson and what she brought to that show. I got to sit with Amy Jo and Matt for, I don't know, probably like three or four hours the day we recorded just because we were also recording other things with them, like other promotional things with them um, at the time. And to get cynical for two seconds, this is, this is not in any stretch of the imagination, like a cash grab for them or anything like that. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Amy Jo care so much about this story about these characters and about like telling the best version of this story she possibly can like she is she does she is also a power rangers fan through and through yeah like i loved when uh we got on with her and you could see all the power rangers stuff that she had Mm -hmm. uh in her like liver i'm sure she also put some of it up specifically for recording with us but i thought that was so beautiful i think it's a beautiful thing to me when these actors who play these characters also really connect to the characters and love them as much as their fans love them i think yeah. that's something that doesn't always happen um because obviously like it's also a job for some actors it's just a job but yeah. she truly connected to that character you can tell how when she talks about it and that she literally loved that that loved and still loves that universe. And so I thought that that was like having her be this way is just like just amazing. She's just amazing. She's just as amazing as you hope she's going to be. She is. And I think that's also wonderful. Yeah, it was a truly cool moment to get to sit and talk with her just <laughs> as a Power Rangers fan. Um, so I guess All my friends are going to be jealous. <laughs> yeah we have uh we have weird jobs for sure oh yeah because listen i like i didn't tell a lot of people but like once it drops i'll be telling all of i know that all my friends are gonna be like you talked to my first crush and I'm be like yes <laughs> i did it's a surreal experience for sure but yes without um, further ado before yeah. i interrupted you no you're all good <laughs> um amy jo johnson and matt hodson everybody thank you for listening Today, we are thrilled to have with us writer, director, and original Pink Ranger from the original Mighty Morphin Power Ranger series, Amy Jo Johnson, and Matt Hodson, uh, a writer in his own right, as well as uh, AD on hit shows such as Titans, and co-writer of the new series, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, The Return. Amy, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. This is uh, really, really huge. Yeah, (laughs) this is rad. rad. It is rad. Thanks Um, for having us. I grew up with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I had a Power Rangers birthday as a child, so this is a uh, full circle moment for me. So. <laughs> Which Ranger? I had a Power Rangers. 
I was the Green Ranger, obviously, because oh, Tommy uh, is is the best, and he is the reason why all of my friends and I got into martial arts as kids, because uh, we all just wanted to be as cool as Tommy Oliver. Aww. I had a Power Rangers uh, towel that was like my towel that I used, and I wouldn't let anyone else use it, and I used it until it was falling apart. So, yeah. We well, love we love it. We love, we, we love Power Rangers and science we fiction. Do. I, I genuinely think on every single uh, episode of this podcast so far, we've talked about Power Rangers, yeah. uh, even if the the subject of the episode is not Power Rangers, it always is, ends up coming up. That's um, accurate, because also yeah. Power Rangers here at Boom is like our it's our one of our best selling titles, period. So everyone yeah. still loves Power Rangers, even I, how many years later? 30? 30? It's a 30 year anniversary. That's so crazy. I, it, it really is. Um, well, let's talk about the return a little bit. I mean, so yes. I was actually at that San Diego Comic-Con panel when uh, the, the series was soft announced and all of those character designs were shown off. So from the two of you, from your perspective, what was that day like? Just walk us through what, what happened, like how it blew up on social media and, and just what happened with it. Well, first of all, Matt was really sad that we weren't there. <laughs> I, kept saying, I kept saying, I, I had just finished a job and we were doing nothing that week. I'm like, can we go? Can we go? And Daft, the editor Daft, I mentioned, like, it was just going to be the last few minutes at the end of the Power Rangers panel. I'm like, well, it's great. Let's go. Yeah. I'd go for the last yeah. few minutes, but we didn't go. I was go. like, I don't think we can just crash the party. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, you could. I, I was going to say, I think people would have been stoked if you crashed the party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it's exciting. Um, yeah. Remember I was like, it's been announced, Matt. And you're like, I, th I think you were like, I'm going to be excited when I can actually look at the comic book. When I can hold the comic book in my hand. It's been, <laughs> we've been working on this for so long. So we're really excited to get a chance to actually finally talk about it uh, without spoiling any details. But those character designs that Daphne showed at the San Diego uh, Comic-Con panel were really well received yeah. and I think it's safe to say you guys ain't seen nothing yet because there's way better things <gasps> coming up. I'm beyond stoked. So what made you guys want to come and tell this specific story? What was it about this story and the Power Rangers franchise that made you want to come back? Um... I'm not sure how to answer the end of that question, but I know that it was in the beginning of 2020, before the pandemic, I actually had an idea for a series that was sort of like a young adult, um, Supergirl kind of Dark Angels Power Ranger series about a young Green Ranger named Olivia Hart, who was the um, daughter of Kimberly and Tommy. And... I, you know, I told Matt about this idea and I was trying to figure out, do I pitch it to um, Hasbro and which is a whole thing in itself to try to get a TV show off the ground. And I think, you know, Matt has read a, a gazillion comic books and you said it should be a comic book or did I, yeah. you said it, I give you full credit uh, for the idea <laughs> because she was brainstorming the stuff and she kept asking like, well, where would these characters be? And and we were talking about what they would be older and like, it'd be amazing if they all came back. And then the more we brainstormed, the more it kind of became this, it'd be the best Power Rangers movie of all time, but completely unfilmable. <laughs> <laughs> and then Amy Joe was just like, 
no, well, this is, this has turned into something else, but it's so cool, and we should make it a comic book. And that was just sort of the end of that sort of avenue of thinking. Of all and these then other the things. pandemic hit. Yeah, there was all this time on our hands. And I also remember, I mean, as Amy Jo mentioned, I'm a giant comic book fan, and Amy Jo has a ton of the Boom comic books in her basement. And she said, oh, it should just be a comic book. And that was just sort of almost like, we'll put a pin in this and come back to it. And I remember going home that night and thinking, it should be a comic book. Why wouldn't it be a comic book? I mean, JDF kind of helped Kyle Higgins on one of the graphic novels. And then I just sort of dug my claws into your idea. <laughs> and here we are. Three and a half years later, and I was like, it should be a comic book. It should be a comic book. When's it going to be a comic yeah. book? And then I emailed Daphna, and we didn't hear from her for a long time, but we still got into the writing mode and like thinking up the whole story. Because I think actually the first time I emailed Daphna, um, I sent like the whole pitch and idea. And Matt's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the way that you get in. Like you do a comic book. Like you have, there's a protocol of how to send it. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> about that i'm just sending the entire i think the whole first draft into my first email to daphna like and it was it was literally the weekend like that was on a saturday or sunday you sent it maybe a friday night and on the monday the whole planet shut down yeah yeah and so we're just like oh. well, guess nothing happens now it was just terrible timing yeah well and also like i will say when you submit pitches to comic book companies i feel like each company is a little different so how you did it was perfect it was perfect. We yeah, at Boomers like give us the idea. Yeah, give us the idea. Yeah. And then in the end, I mean, if you look at it, the terrible timing ended up being perfect timing because now we're we're here at the thirtieth anniversary and we got to kick things off in the thirtieth anniversary special. And then in March when the book comes out, I think the T V show is actually wrapped up for the first time ever. So yeah. this is yeah. a cool big new thing that we can give the fans while they wait for whatever else comes up with the T V show later on in the future. What a gift. Maybe Absolutely. My original idea. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I still think it would make a great TV show. Not the comic book version, but my original idea of this particular character. Who sure. happens to be in the comic book version. Can you tell us what's different about the characters? Mine was a bit darker, I think. Well, this is has edgy and dark as well, but mine was solely around this girl um, who didn't even know that her parents were power rangers and oh. and didn't she didn't even grow up with her mom and and then um she ends up getting visited by this like zordon person and then she ends up going into the mountains to find her mother who is kimberly who is like this you know little recluse woman who a hermit who remember the whole story yeah. I had? Yeah. <laughs> I had this whole thing, and then she had she had oh actually she was a nine one one dispatcher Olivia, and so she oh, was cool. already like trying to like help people, and then she finds out she has these powers, and she's getting frustrated that anyway we're going down a whole rabbit hole of a different. <laughs> I love thing. that though. That's it's, so cool. It's a fun rabbit hole. That's a fun <laughs> rabbit hole to go down. It's about it in so long. It's so interesting to hear you say it. And, look at the things that we, we took with us. Into the yeah, we took a yeah. bunch of the different, the, the blown up moon and like cool. different stuff. Uh, I love a good blown up moon. I think it's one of the coolest <laughs> visual things you could possibly do in sci-fi. Period. Or fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the, what I'm calling the core creative team of the two of you, Nico, the phenomenal artist, and yeah. Daphna, who is the shepherd of the Power Rangers franchise here at Boom Studios. Yes. She was the original editor on the main run before passing the torch over at um, issue 100 to the new main series editor, Allison, who's also a phenomenal editor. But 
Archives um, are amazing, though, all of them. So. Yeah. So what, what was it like, the four of you working together, bringing this story to life? Yeah. So, I mean, working with Daphna has been great and so helpful. And um, she's like a, a really wonderful editor and, you know, a learning curve for us, learning how to write together and then sending, you know, getting notes is always can be a little bit of a hard thing. It's like, okay, now we have to, you know, reimagine what's happening, but it's all working out and it's, it, it keeps getting better and better. And then now that we're starting to see drawings come in from Nico and having it come to life is kind of blowing our minds at how like, Oh wow, this is actually going to be really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's so talented. Yeah. He is. With, yeah. With Daphne, it's been great because like you said, she was the original editor at boom. And then we knew she was stepping away last year. So to have her with us is great because I think she's excited too, not to speak for her, but we're taking things in a totally new direction than the hundred plus issues that she worked on. So I think uh, she's excited to be involved too, but it's good. Like Amy Jo said is co-writing and sort of like finding where to compromise and where to stand your ground on different ideas that we have with each other. And then we go through all that together and then we give it over to Daphne. She has such a rich experience with these characters and the different versions of the comics that when she comes back to us with notes, it's just like, it's like having just a whole extra brain to help us brainstorm new things. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, that that part actually with Daphne has been quite easy. I think mm-hmm. the hardest part has been the two of us sort of like. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> it really has. It's fine co-writer. I mean, Amy Jo is a really, really good writer. Uh, she's a pro, like she has a script on the blacklist and she's working on all these features and she's incredible. And then for me, it's new. I mean, I've, I feel like I've been secretly training or waiting to be a comic book writer my whole life. But for us, the dynamic has been, it's, it took a long time. Like we talked, like we would write here in Amy Jo's house and like I'd write over here and she wrote over there and we would send stuff back and forth. We went to an office once and like, and we, it took a long time to sort of find out how us two would to get our flow. And we really need something written down on a screen in order for yeah. us to like point to that and be like, we'll change this or do this or do this as opposed to just talking about it, we found that we just have to write it and then send that back and then focus on the document as opposed to just talking with each other. So you had to figure out how to make your Megazord? So you had to figure out how to make your Megazord together? <laughs> Sorry, I had to uh, reference. You had a huge Megazord it. behind you. We built it. Hang on, somebody's knocking at my door. I'm so sorry. Keep going. No, no worries. <laughs> Keep going. Well, all right, so Matt... Yeah, now you get to spill all the tea. Yeah, she's not the room. Amy Jo answers the door. Well, who who got first? Uh, like, who got the first draft done? I I guess is is what I'm trying to ask. Who? Um, oh, I don't. I don't think there's any. Who way put to... words to paper first? Both uh, both of us. Yeah, I, well, that at the beginning was a conversation of story, just talking and talking and coming up with the story. Yeah, it took a long time to get to the part where we actually. We're writing the script, script. Like we had a plot outline for the whole story before we even figured out it should be four issues. And then we just went, we rammed through that thing a million times before we were both ready to actually say, great, now this is what the first issue is. And then we broke that down and refined it, refined it, refined it. And then we broke that down into page by page by page. And then we finally got to the scripting part. It took a long time to get there. Yeah. And then when it comes to like really writing, um, how it will be laid out like that would be mostly Matt, but then I'll come in there and be like, 
I want an ant farm. Or like the ant farm sounds weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a good example of, of we, we tried really hard to find specifically comic book things that you could only do in a comic book. And one of them is the right. ant farm idea, yeah. which I don't know how much we want to elaborate on. But it's pages. I need to know about the ant farm now. Well, it's like two pages. I don't know. We have this whole sequence happening up on the moon, and I don't know how much we can talk about the story, so we won't. But in it, I just sort of like I I don't have a comic book background. I haven't read a ton of comic books, but I remember Richard Scary. <laughs> remember, remember um, yes, where you go and you yeah, yeah with the little like an ant farm and the every yeah. the whole scene of everybody doing all this stuff. And I was like, what if the we just saw the whole castle and we like saw all the things happening all at once throughout this whole castle? And he's like. What? And then, oh. I had to kind of and then I was doing my horrible drawing, and he's like, "Oh, oh, I can't wait to see what Nico does with that." Mm, we haven't yeah. seen that one yet. Well, that's been a fun thing for us too. Is like I said, is getting us on the same page can sometimes take a while. And then when we finally hand the script and we're finally on the same page, but that doesn't mean that visually the image that I would see in my head for a page or a panel is the same as what you would see. And then Nico hands the art in, and it doesn't matter anymore. And it's been a fascinating experience of letting it go. And it's been easy to let it go. And I was a little bit worried about it, but Nico is so incredible. And he's doing the best work of his career that every time we get a page, uh, it's uh, it's always been better than what I've seen in my head. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's all, it, To me, it's always kind of what I, I had, what I pictured in my head, but way better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should talk more about Nico. Oh, I was going to say, Nico, yeah. he's he's a Power Rangers he's, super fan, so yeah. he's yeah, kind he of is. like the perfect person to come in and, and draw this. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many of his stories that he told us that we want to steal for this, but he's he is an incredible fan. And and we went through with with Daphne going through the artists. Like, there's so many incredible artists that have worked on Power Rangers since 2016 when the book started. And there's sort of like an overall style we felt. And we were really, really adamant we wanted it to look different and new and still cool so that it was recognizably Power Rangers, but not like the other books and stood on its mm. own because it is its own universe. And so she sent a list of artists and I Googled Nico. And the first thing that came up is his Miles Morales Spider-Man. Oh work, my gosh, yes. Spenders. Which is. And we now live in a world where everybody knows that who Miles Morales Spider-Man is. And I was like, ooh, him, him, him. And so I showed Amy Joe a ton of his work. Uh, and then we started picking up all of his Catwoman stuff from DC, which is the best work of his career. And then he started turning in the art for this. He just finished Catwoman, and it's it's even better. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. 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 I, I think if you draw Spider-Man, you have to be really good at being dynamic with your yeah. poses and your framing and everything like that. Because, you know, Spider-Man is the most flexible human yes. in comics. Um, we were meeting with Nico like a week ago. I don't know if we're allowed to say this or if this is his own story. But apparently he has a Red Ranger costume and he um, will like wear it and then look in the mirror and see how to like actually. And he, he went and he's been training with the original ranger who started like a dojo in, in Tokyo. And he's been training there to learn like the moves as he draws them. Yeah. That's, he said wow. like the original, he said the original <laughs> green ranger and pink ranger stunt performers from the original, like super sentai. Yeah. Are married wow. in real life and run a martial arts class. And he joined 
And then, yeah, I don't, we can steal this story because there's no way he's going to tell everybody. He's probably going to be <laughs> But he literally puts, <laughs> he puts the red suit on and stands in a mirror to get all of his poses. And when you see the book, you're just like, well, that's what, like, it looks so authentic and good. Yeah. And there's so many other things that he's added that uh, we'll probably get credit for that just aren't in the script. Just little character moments and, and, and details. And details. Lots of details in the drawings and stuff mm -hmm. that he, he's just such a super fan and, has gone back and rewatched the series and picking up different things that we won't say because they, they, they won't, don't want to spoil them because they're just for super fans to be, to watch and be like, Oh, that's, I, that's that. Yeah. 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 Let's I don't want to spoil it. No, You're right. Yeah. But he literally sent us a clip one morning in an email and he was like, there's this thing that I did on this page of this issue. And I know you guys, it wasn't in the script, but if you watch like, I don't, even, I don't want to say an episode. I'll make yeah, up an, yeah. like if you watch this episode at this minute and second mark, you <laughs> oh see a gosh. thing that is 30 years later. And he's like, I'll it take it thing. out if you want to. We're like, like, why no, would we take that? Keep it <laughs> That's amazing. That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that he's going above and beyond in his research. Oh my God. First also, of all. Truly. Truly. Can I ask, because both of you have worked obviously like in film and TV and, and writing multiple ways and even directing. How similar is it doing this process of kind of writing and in a way directing a comic to actually doing it for film and TV? Uh, it's, I don't want to say easier because <laughs> figuring out the story has been like a challenge, but <laughs> my God, it's so refreshing to like, here's the script and then get these beautiful drawings back and there's your movie like on a page. That's so beautiful. It's, so it's like, it's a very refreshing form of art for mm -hmm. me. Like I'm really digging it. Yeah. It's, I'd say probably, I mean, I've never written a film or TV, but having more, like I worked on Titans, for example. And so Titans is super comic booky and fantastic, but anything that's filmed live action just has to go through the filters of reality and production mm -hmm. logistics and budgets and stuff. And I mean, as an assistant director, I'm even guilty of just like, uh, these scenes are at night. Can they just be like inside if they're going to be at night? Because it's going to be cold. <laughs> and, like, or like this is going to cost too much. You're like, well, that we only have money for one explosion instead of 10. Whereas here we can just write whatever we want and hand it to Nico. And you get it back and it's exactly the way that you want it to be. So it's, it's a beautiful. great way to see the creative vision sort of distilled and purified. I don't have to go through a bunch of filters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just thinking it's it's funny because you know, with directing and breaking down a script and figuring out how I would shoot it, it's it's so different, but yet somewhat similar because there's all these camera angles in the drawing and stuff, but yet that's what has been so helpful, the fact that you've read a gazillion comic books <laughs> to know like the moments that, oh, like you can't actually see the reaction change to this reaction. It's like picking the reaction that needs to be on the page to show like the whole moment. It's like picking the exact moment of the scene to be yeah. on the page. Yeah, totally. yeah. one moment, so one cool. action per panel is the rule. And so, yeah, it's trickier because with a screenplay, you can just sort of write a big blarg of action and it can all happen. But picking one image per panel and really distilling what that exact moment is can be tricky. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's one of the ways that you're hindered a little bit. Totally. I, I um, had a conversation with, with Matt Wagner, who is, famous cartoonist in our industry. Uh, Grendel is his big thing that he's been writing for the past 40 years. But his his advice for like scripting is like, he'll write 
you know, beefy panel descriptions, but the first line of that description is in bold and is short. And it's like, if you get anything from this panel, make sure it's just this, because that's the action. Mm. So if he's writing Batman, it's Batman leaps. That's all you need to know. That's what this panel is. It's Batman leaping. Everything else is just set design. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, as you know, being a huge comic fan since you're nine, there's there's an art to the page turn, right? There's there's definitely yeah. an art to to the the reveal of a good page turn, good double page spread. Yeah, I mean, um, I I've read so many books on comics, script writing, and stuff, and I I could cut it to Brian K. Vaughn. I think is something that I picked yeah. up years ago when I was in high school. Just every page. You have to convince them to turn the page and it's we work yeah. in movies and tv and it's a lot more passive like in a movie or tv show because you're already sitting there and you're relaxed and it's coming to you but if you think about comic books as a physical medium we're like oh like you have to get them to physically want to read the next page because we talked about that a lot about you know ending pages on questions on questions or just trying to figure out what it is to get the page turn to happen or like and you do that in a script in the in the screenplay as well it, it's helpful mm-hmm. to keep them a, the propulsion Active. of a, a movie going mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I think one thing we got greedy on. If you look at it, if we look back at our very first drafts, is I think as people that work in film and TV, I mean, in film and TV scripts, you're not allowed to write camera angles. You're not supposed to, and pick yeah. shots and stuff like that. Uh, and then with this, I think in our first couple drafts, we were probably getting real specific with our camera angles. And then I think we got a lot of that out before we handed it to Nico. But even with Nico, you'll see. If he treats everything as a suggestion, I think we're okay with it. Because whenever he takes a suggestion of an angle or a panel or a size and changes it, he has such an artistic sense of storytelling that it's always been even better. Oh, that's so cool. I, I want to talk about the other artist who has helped this series as well, which is the great Dan Mora. Yeah. What was that like getting Dan Mora to do character designs for The Return? thrilling and exciting especially as they're coming in and the 40 year old you know characters the power rangers the older power rangers and where they are and what they look like going in the back and forth with with him like we we picked out a bunch of reference images and created our own sort of character of what we wanted sent it and then he would send it back so to a t that we'd be like oops we messed up (laughs) 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 we sent you the wrong reference but like it was he was so like like spot on for everything that he sent us yeah everything's i mean i i'm a my personal favorite of mine is the Red Ranger yeah. uh, that they revealed at San Diego Comic-Con, which is super cool. And yeah. you will find out in issue one, uh, we, we kind of waste no time explaining why, why he is that way. Um, but that like Dan just killed it on that one. He killed it on all of them. And like we said before, like you guys haven't seen anything yet. His designs and what he's been asked to design for later on is absolutely incredible. We can't see, wait to see Nico tackle it. Yeah. And even though Dan's a big shot at DC and doing all of their biggest books over there, uh, we do have Dan involved in the Kickstarter. They've sent us a, a list of some of the artwork that he will still get to be involved in. So he's still a part of this, even though he's not doing the interior pages. We we absolutely love Dan here. And yeah, oh, absolutely. He's he is the big shot at DC right now. Um, I think he's he's doing all the covers for Godzilla versus Kong versus Justice yeah. League, which... Which is so great phenomenal. to see because yeah. I feel like I, I used to run a comic book shop. So I read Boom for a long time. And I remember when I first saw his art and I thought he was amazing and he's only gotten more amazing. So it makes me mm. happy he's doing everything. Yeah. 
Power Rangers are cool, but I am a diehard Ninja Turtles fan. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> so, the Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, the two books that Dan did with Ryan Parrott are absolutely yep. incredible. Those are yeah. my favorite. Yeah, we, <laughs> we are also so are huge fans of those here, yeah. too. Those are so um, fun. Yeah, and I, you know, talking about that Red Ranger design, too. First of all, that being in the audience when that reveal happened was incredible. Tell Just, us. Tell us. Should, I know. I wasn't there either. It, I was running was, a booth. It, it was like a crescendoed wall of just audible gasps. Like really? Front, yeah. Oh, my God. People like, went insane for it. They were so, so stoked for it. Did um, we record it? I is it on know. our YouTube? <laughs> I don't know. If, if it, it is, is, what a call out if anybody that was there and recorded that. Yes. Send it to us. We, <laughs> we yeah, were please. So tacky, but we that was see so it, bad. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a very cool uh, experience. And I also have to say, I love that y'all made Jason just a brick house of a man. He's just a wall. <laughs> Of muscle and i'm just like yeah that's cool what i like that should we, should we say Can we? yeah so i mean uh, the reference photos we sent one of them was what's the hockey player? a yarmar yager because <laughs> okay. oh yeah i'm a huge pittsburgh penguins fan and when i was a kid i even grew my hair like tried to do the terrible <laughs> yeah. curly mullet yeah oh yager is i want to say 52 and he's still playing hockey professionally and he's like you said just a brick he's just a thick power and he's scruffy and gray and all beat up from (laughs) I love that 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 photo and what was the other photo that we sent with it and he just like put it together and it was so perfect but it's I mean yeah we liked we wanted to use I mean obviously the original live action TV show is a huge huge jumping off point for the show so making things look like they used to and the characters we recognize from the show but just sort of putting a little spin on it and seeing what they would look like 30 years later yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think that's a phenomenal way to take it. Um Yeah, now I want to know all of your reference like for each one of them, like what what did you send in for well, references? For, for uh for Zach, we first sent a picture of of, what, of Idris Elba. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> he came back so sleek and this so, and I was like He was too sexy. But this was just like, yeah. it was too sexy. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and Absolutely then for incredible. Kimberly, it was, um, it was, um, oh my God, from East, uh, Kings of Mayor of Easttown. Mayor of Easttown. It was, uh, Kate Winslet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh my nice. gosh. Yeah. From that show where she's just like kind of has her jacket on and just looks a little bit down and out. That was the Kimberly reference because Kimberly in her 40s yeah. is sort of. We're not going to get sued for all of these references, right? Uh, they were just <laughs> photos. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't remember what we did for, for David, for Billy. For, for Billy? It uh, was sort of like Steve Jobs filtered through Billy. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that that super clean cut suit look, yeah. that's. That's a vibe. That's one hundred percent a vibe. What we said we said nerd rich or something like that. I was, saying, I was yeah, about to say that rich. I was like the rich nerd guy. Yeah, vibe. Nerd chic. That was it. Yeah. Nerd <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. So I love fun. that so much. So I, know, like, I have so to fun. know. I have to know because I, I am personally a fan of all things called the return, whether it's uh Twin Peaks or, you know, Return of the King. Where did the return come from? Um, what what is that reference in the the Where overall we, story? 
we're going to be real honest. Uh, that didn't come from us. Oh, okay. Our, our, our was a family reunion, I think, mm-hmm. was for a long time. And we kept, and then, and then the return came one day. We had other ideas and then, and then somebody made an email called the return. And I look at Matt and I was like, that's really good. I guess it's called the return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's a great, somebody found yeah. the title. It's a great title. Nice. We didn't come up with it. And it's very simple. It is a good title. And it's also, it's deceivingly simple too because as the story progresses whatever you think the return is is referring there's to there's more to it it's, it will change what you yeah. think is actually returning over yeah. the course of the book yeah, yeah. Ooh, so it was it. a great title yeah. i don't know who thought of it i, I, I love i, I love, love that too. serendipitous things like yeah. that it just yeah. kind of clicks in place you're like yep this is it you're yeah. totally right daphne sent an email once and like it said it referred to the return at one point and we were just like guess it's the return okay great yeah, it's good. Easy. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. yeah. All that. Yeah. You you guys, Daphne and Nico, you guys have built your own amazing yeah, okay. megazord of creative <laughs> talent. It's that's it's the megazord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you most excited for people to experience in the return? I th- you know, I've been going to a lot of shows lately, and one of the things that I've realized more and more is that the Power Rangers was not just a TV show for kids. It was, for a lot of people, it was so much more. It was a babysitter. It was a friend for people who were bullied. It was a place where people discovered their sexuality and figured out they were gay. And, or there was, you know what I mean? Like it was just so much more than just this kid's show. So for me, I don't know. It's this gesture, this love letter um, is, is, uh, I sort of got lost of, of what I was trying to say, but, um, what was the question? It's beautiful sentiment. <laughs> I know it's beautiful. I was like, I just was listening. Um, basically like, what are you guys excited about for people to experience oh, with? Okay. The so yeah. So, so I'm, I'm just excited for these kids who are now adults to read this re reimagined story of what if those original Rangers had stayed together? And what, where would they be now 30 years ago? Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we deal with in there that I think because of things that have happened in real life um, for a couple of the original Rangers, I, I think will be a real, um, I don't know, a bittersweet uh, book to read bittersweet comic book of a little bit of catharsis with yeah that. i think so i think so for for a whole generation of kids who who loved these characters so much you should i love that sentiment of, no, of taking oh okay go ahead how was, oh, so how am i supposed to follow that <laughs> <laughs> i mean hey, i love I'm the sentiment of... that i can't match that it was so good i, I mean <laughs> If you want to, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, well, I would say, I think that I'm most excited about as a bit of an outsider, like I remember Power Rangers when I was a kid, it was huge. My brother yeah. loved it. It was on every morning before school is having Amy Jo Johnson, the original Pink Ranger, write a story at all, uh, I think is exciting for a lot of people. But I think nobody has any idea what's coming. I think the story that she's telling and what your version of what the Power Rangers are now is going to blow people's minds. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Think about it. I'm so excited. I think even, I think even if you, we should talk about the, the reimagined short story. 
that we did yeah. in the anniversary yeah. few years ago. Please, because I, I do believe that's going to be uh, in the collected edition as well. Yeah. Spoilers for the collected edition. Well, because it's guess. like a prelude. It really yeah. is sort of, yeah. I mean, you don't have to have read it to get the story that we're going to tell in these comic books, but it's definitely a great little entryway. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so we watched the show, and I think you said it's the first time she's ever watched the show. What was that like? Yeah, I never, as an actor, I never watched the shows that I was on. I just, it would make me all heady and not feel it insecure. But later on, now, you know, now I I don't feel that way anymore. And also, we needed to do research (laughs) and figure out our jumping off point of where, um, where where does our world change change from the actual TV show? Because it is the right. TV show up until a certain point, and so we watched mm-hmm. a bunch of episodes to figure out where that jumping off point is. Mm-hmm. And we tried to match. I mean, Francisco Mortarino uh, was the the artist on that, and he did a fantastic job. Where we took little moments from the show, and I think my favorite is hopefully your favorite. It's. I mean, there was, I don't want to tell the story about how those actors had to leave the show and it was terrible, but we took the moment where in the world of the show, three characters, the original Power Rangers left and we said, why would they leave? Let's keep them together, which is sort of the impetus behind a lot of what happens. Yeah. What, what if those three Rangers never left and, and all, and everybody stayed. And, and if you, in that shot, that particular shot from the show is really actually kind of rude on Saban's part, because it's sure. not even those actors. It's like they literally, within one day, replaced them. The shot is literally a shot where all of a sudden we show up on set and like those actors are gone. And it's like, I don't know. It was a huge moment for a lot of people. And so I just wanted to, we just wanted to like kind of put that in there as sort of like this gesture of, I don't know, like, what if, what, what if that didn't happen? Where, where would those Rangers have gone? So that's where, yeah. we, that was our jumping off point to where we, we started um, reimagining the story. Mm-hmm. And I think if you, like Kim and Joe said, you don't have to read that short story to pick up this series and know what's going on. And there's a lot of moments in there because it's an anniversary special for like the hardcore fans. But if you look at, how everything started the same in our universe and even just eight pages later where it ended up with kimberly's changed her name she's moved away there is the moon is in pieces yeah so what happened in the whole first issue actually the whole first the whole series really sort of like we'll fill in the blanks to actually what went down and happened because it was a lot a lot went down and happened i love that yeah, I'm too. very excited to see why the moon exploded. I'm yeah. very, very excited to see that. <laughs> and I feel like it's so interesting having you write this, Amy Jo, because in a weird way, you lived a lot of it. Like, it's a show, but like you lived in the show and you portrayed this character. And now you get to take this world that you lived in and expand it for everyone. I think that's so amazing. It's such a special yeah. thing. Like how many people can do what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's really, really fun, especially in like creating, recreating all these characters in their 40s and actually knowing the real people and not like fully bringing in who they are into these characters. But as an actor, we do bring ourselves to the roles. So there is a bit of Walter in Zach and there is a bit of David in Billy and so on. So 
it's like kind of bringing in pieces of my friends into the actual comic book as well, which is kind of so cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Well, we won't take up too much more of your time. So I just want to say, Amy, Joe, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today on this amazing episode of Boom Direct. You have both been fantastic and I cannot wait to just be a fan and get to sit and read like we get to experience all this material early just from the nature and you know work with boom studios but like there's something just getting to sit with the physical copy in my hands and just kind of tune out the world for 20 minutes and just get to read a comic book that i am insanely looking forward to doing with this series um just as as a power rangers kid who is now in his (laughs) 30s uh, getting to to experience a, a new cool version of this world that I absolutely love and adore. Yeah, all of us Power Rangers kids are stoked. (laughs) (laughs) So... Hopefully people like it. (laughs) I think people are going to love this. Um, So please tell all the people of the internet where they can find you uh, if you so choose. Oh, uh, well, I actually have a website, amyjoejohnson.com and Within there, there, I actually have this special toy box where it's like a private room in my website if you become a member. And in there, I put all kinds of different, like my EP I'm working on, which a oh, new cool. EP cool. with three that's songs awesome. and just different projects I have going on. Anyway, there's that. And then I'm on Instagram on A to the double J and Twitter. Matt is now on Twitter. I'm, He's I'm never so... been on social media ever, and he has 20 followers now. Please don't Twitter. follow me. I finally opened <laughs> a dark and scary place, and she finally convinced me to join Twitter. And I've I think it's a dark and scary place. One, one of us. One of us. I'm so, I'm see, so I not going to how addictive it is because I – I look at it every day and I can feel myself going down the rabbit hole and nope, oh, and then I, and then oh, I yeah. log off immediately. It's Matt underscore underscore Hudson, I think. Uh, but that said, I mean, like Amy, Joe, yeah, it is Matt underscore underscore Hudson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those double underscores drive me nuts, but the other Matt Hudson's beat me to it years ago. Um, <laughs> it will be a good way. It's It's been fun. Um, I, I work in film and TV, so because so, of the strikes this year, I've been tagging along with Amy, Joe to some of the cons and there's some fantastic people out there and some really cool Power Rangers fans. And it's been fun seeing them get super stoked or bringing Amy Joe the 30th anniversary special that we have the story and design. So hopefully Twitter will be a fun way to interact with those people uh, and see what people think about the comic book. And if not, I will delete it. <laughs> so what a neat social experiment this is. That's fair. I love it. <laughs> well, to all of the people listening slash watching, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to catch the full length episodes in podcast form. And if you want to stay up to date on all the cool things that we have coming down the pipeline for Boom Direct, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast or both. And also all of the social media for Boom and all of us, everyone here. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Remember, comics are for everyone. Which is why we make comics for everyone. I'm Anthony Morrow. I'm Harley Sobaka. And this is... And this is Boom, Boom Direct. Direct. That was actually cool. not half bad that time. This podcast was produced by Gracia Martinez with theme song by Renee Heisenmeider, edited by Michael Thomas, hosted by Anthony Morrow and Harley Salbaca, 
Special thanks to Philip Sablik and Ryan Matsunaga. This podcast is brought to you by Boom Studios.